0: are listening to Rootbound, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. Rootbound is brought to you by the sunflower. Why settle for a bouquet of a bunch of little flowers when you can have one great big one? Sunflowers, they're big. everybody thank you for listening to this episode of rootbound i'm the host of the show my name is steve and rootbound is the podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside and each week i invite a guest who joins me on the show to share with us all about a plant that means something to them and then i share with a guest about a plant that means something to me and through this process we can all learn more about plants and learn more about each other it is the philosophy of rootbound that everybody has at least one plant that is meaningful to them because plants are so integral our lives as humans on this planet. But before I meet our guest today, I want to talk about the word spice. I've been thinking about that word, and it'll be very relevant later in this episode, and I was curious, you know, what does that mean? What What is a spice? And uh, it turns out it's, it's pretty vague. So Wikipedia says that uh, spice is any seed, fruit, root, bark, or other plant substance in the form primarily used for flavoring or coloring of food. And then it says spices are distinguished from herbs, which are leaves, flowers, or stems of plants used for flavoring or as a garnish. So so it doesn't seem like they're that distinguished because, like, uh, a spice can be any other plant substance primarily used for flavoring, whereas it says an herb is uh, various parts of a plant used for flavoring. And so from what I understand, it's pretty subjective. Spice and herb can be pretty interchangeable. And a lot of the things that we call spices kind of go back to this historical spice trade that that was starting as far back as 2000 BCE. And there's other stuff we call spices. Most of the time, spices are dried. They're a little bit more commoditized, whereas herbs are a bit more fresh. But that's not necessarily true. But let's talk about something very interesting. As you know, I love etymology. I talk a lot about etymology on the show. And I was curious about the etymology of the word spice and it turns out that the word spice is related to the Latin word species, which is pretty interesting, particularly in the show that talks about species of plants. Um, but it's, it's even more complicated than that. So the etymology.com website I found says that the word spice is related to the late Latin word species, which refers to spices, goods, or wares. And that word species is from the classical Latin word species, which means kind or sort. Okay, so this is one of those things where I'm I'm going into my imagination here. I didn't read this, but I'm imagining how this worked out. So species in Latin originally meant kind or sort. And then it became to mean spices, goods, or wares. So if you think about a, a trader or a vendor or a merchant in like classical times, uh, they were selling lots of things. They had lots of different spices, goods, and wares, lots of species of things, right? Different kinds, different sorts. And so eventually that word just became translated into uh, various languages, I think, uh, into French is where English comes from. French is like piece or something like that. Don't quote me on that, French speakers. Um, And it became spice, but it was referring to spices because vendors had all different sorts of them. At least that's what I can tell. So yeah, species and spice have the same root. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. And with that, let's meet our guest and talk about a couple different spices. The spice extends life. The spice expands consciousness. The spice is vital to space travel. The spice must flow. Hi, Maria. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Rootbound.
1: Hi, Steve. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Very, very good. Do you have a plant to share with us today?
1: Absolutely. Um, I'm talking about common juniper today, or Juniperus communis.
0: Very cool. Now, this, I think juniper. I feel like everyone knows the word juniper, but I feel like most people don't have much knowledge about it, and, I, and I, I don't really either. Like, I know there's some other plants called called just juniper. Anyway, let's let's get into it. I just feel like it's it's a it's a common plant that most people maybe don't know a lot about. So I'm really excited to learn from you today.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little confusing because the Juniperus genus includes a lot of different species that grow all across the world. And one of the ones that are really common in eastern North America is eastern red cedar. So when people hear that name, they think it's a cedar and maybe related to, you know, white cedar, which is Thuja is the uh-huh. genus for that one, um, Thuja occidentalis. So like, yeah, it's... The namings are a little weird uh, <laughs> in some cases, but yeah, juniper, common juniper is a very common plant, as very are good. several other juniper species, yeah.
0: And and why did you choose juniper? Why is juniper meaningful to you?
1: Well, juniper is interesting to me. It's something I've been eating for a long time, around 20 years or so, hmm. and um yeah, I am fascinated by it. I mean, I've always been attracted to it because of the smell. Like I remember as a little kid going on walks around the city and, you know, junipers of various cultivars are often planted in landscapes and just like going around and crushing the little blue cones, the like berry like cones or crushing the foliage and smelling it. And it has that really nice, like kind of uplifting smell. Um So that was like my first interaction with it. But then when I got into wild edibles, I learned about like juniper in seasonings and juniper medicinal uses and, you know, have had a lot of interactions with juniper since then and have also read a lot of conflicting things about it. And that's part of why I wanted to do this today is to dig more into that research. Yeah,
0: very good. And when we were were like messaging about this, you said you were like, I'm going to go to the library and look up some stuff. Did you get a chance to do that?
1: I did. Yeah. I went to, um, so I live in Minneapolis and there's a historical library at the University of Minnesota that has like all this information about plants and like herbal uses and like a lot of different things in there. Um, So I got to go check out some weird old plant books from the like, the oldest one I looked at was from like the 1600s. But unfortunately there wasn't a lot of information about juniper. There was like a few references, but just like really... Um, small amounts of information, so I didn't get much from that, unfortunately. Bummer. But it was did, still fun.
0: I did see some cool pictures on Instagram of like really old German <laughs> German writing that like uh, unreadable. <laughs>
1: <text>. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was so. That was one of the books that mentioned juniper in German. It's Wacholder, and <sighs> it, there's like a you know in juniper. Common juniper is circumpolar, so it's native to mm. like the northern regions all around the world and extends further south, you know, in some areas like in the Mediterranean and um like down the Rockies and stuff. But uh wow. so it's traditional in German and Scandinavia and like a lot of different places in the world.
0: I you know, I think I when when you mentioned juniper, I looked up and I saw a map of that. And that that is so fascinating, those plants that that they're circumpolar, like and you can really just imagine like how that happened, right? When like things were together more, it's, it, it's, I, it's super fascinating. Yeah. it's the same, the same species. Like exactly. exactly. It's, it's not just like different. A lot of times you get different genus species when the same genus in different parts of the globe, but this is the same exact species like around the world.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, I actually learned that there's several different subspecies. Like mm-hmm. there's some arguments about how many exactly, but general consensus is like five subspecies mm-hmm. of common juniper so like whether it's exactly the same i mean it's the same species but slightly different varieties um <laughs> based on where you are in the world but yeah it's all within Juniperus communis
0: very interesting okay so let's let's get into a little bit of describing juniper because yeah i think it i'll talk about this in a minute i think maybe i have like Knew I was interacting with common juniper one time, but I'm not one hundred percent sure. So maybe you could describe the plant a little bit for people that don't don't know what it looks like or can't, or don't know what they saw was common juniper.
1: Yeah, totally. So the thing that is probably most obvious about juniper trees, I mean, first of all, they're evergreen, so um they have like, depending on the species, either really sharp needles or kind of like scale like sprays of needles, and the Yeah. So the most obvious thing I would say is the cones, which look like little blue berries. And like I said earlier, they're really common in landscaping. So you see that kind of thing a lot. But common juniper is the one that's like typically a shrub, at least in North America, it grows as a shrub. So usually like no more than five feet high Mm. and can be like really spreading, like sometimes 10 feet across, sometimes bigger. And the way you tell juniper apart from the other so the way to tell common juniper apart from the other juniper species is that instead of scale like sprays of needles um it has these really sharp pointed like almost like all like needles mm. and they grow in whorls of 3 so there's typically 3 that come out at each point on the twig and when you're like trying to pick the berries from it it's like actually kind of difficult and kind of painful because the needles are so sharp um versus the like kind of softer scaly growth that you find on for example creeping juniper or eastern red cedar
0: okay so maybe so maybe what i saw wasn't exactly a common juniper my my, my thinking with juniper i was once in romania uh, a number of years ago and i was in the mountains of romania like pretty high up and um there was something that someone said it was juniper, but maybe they said the word in Romanian and translated it, but it was quite low, but it did have mm. that, I think about juniper, I'm like, it smells like gin, which, you know, yeah. think, you know, so it had that smell, but it was really quite a low shrub, like, like less than a foot tall, really kind of along the ground. So maybe that was, maybe it was one of the subspecies or maybe it was something else, but in, in the same oh, genus, but yeah, it was, it was, it was really cool. It smelled really great. I wish I would have taken some more.
1: Yeah, that sounds great.
0: Yeah okay let's let okay well why don't you take over i have a few questions already but but why don't you lead me on your uh, fun facts and dazzling detailed journey with with juniper and we'll see if some of my questions pop up
1: yeah well as you already mentioned juniper is a popular flavoring agent in alcoholic beverages so it's used to flavor gin traditionally and um in addition to that it's also like you can use juniper berries to make wine or mead um it's also used in various liqueurs um there's a traditional drink from the Balkan region a fermented juniper drink called i think smreka i'm not sure actually how to pronounce it but
0: um <laughs> i think i've seen that word around
1: <laughs> yeah yeah um i was trying to look up pronunciations online but it's a little tricky confusing um yeah <laughs> i'll put a link in the
0: show notes so people can see how it's spelled <laughs>
1: Great, great. And then there's another like juniper spirit or juniper brandy that I think is pronounced Borovicka, which is from um, Slovakia and the Czech Republic. So yeah, a lot of different uh, juniper drinks. I actually, several years ago, when I was living in rural Michigan, made some, I used to do a lot more brewing back then, and I made some juniper mead with some friends of mine and we had this we had access to this like big iron cauldron and we were like literally out in the winter in a snowstorm brewing juniper mead over a fire in a like just like heavy (laughs) snow coming down. It was this like very magical slash kind of witchy moment. Totally. Um,
0: Yeah. I could hopefully no one like turned the corner and like got shocked. (laughs) They're like, oh my gosh. (laughs) There's a witch's brew happening.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Okay. But... okay. Little little tangent because I'm a beekeeper and I've made a lot of mead. Ooh. Are you just incorporating the berries in, or what kind of like, what did you do to like make a juniper mead for future reference?
1: Yeah. So I think that maybe we just use, you know, that book, Sacred and Herbal Healing Beers? I don't. But um, it sounds awesome. Yeah. It's a great book. Stephen Harrod Booner is the author, and he has all these different recipes for you know beers that are made with herbs that are not hops mm. um and i think we kind of just based it off of a uh, something in there if i remember correctly but yeah i think mostly we just kind of made it up to be honest um <laughs> but basically boiled uh yeah juniper branches that had berries and twigs oh, cool. and leaves this and sounds... everything on there
0: oh you like the whole branches that's awesome
1: yeah that
0: is cool was it... so okay last tangent about the meat how did it taste
1: it tasted amazing like when it finally came out like it almost it almost had like i wonder if it was because we made it outside uh on a wood stove but it almost had kind of a like like a savory kind of taste like maybe a little smoky or like it tasted like something that you would eat with like thanksgiving meal um awesome that sounds awesome (laughs) Yeah, it was good.
0: Cool. All right. So where were we? I think we I sidetracked you talking about me. We were where, where were we with juniper?
1: Oh, no worries. Yeah, I was talking about juniper as a drink. So there's lots of different traditions there, lots of different options. And then also juniper is a traditional seasoning. So like you may have heard of or may have had uh, like sausage flavored with juniper or um, like in the Northern European countries, it's pretty... I don't know how common it is anymore, but at least traditionally common to flavor like game and fatty meats with juniper. Um, and then, yeah, I've made juniper butter quite a lot. This is kind of my go to method for using juniper berries. Yeah, it's really good. You just and it's so easy. You just like grind up the juniper berries and then mix it with some softened butter and some salt and just like spread that on. I like it with rye bread. I think it's really good and and put some salmon on there. Um, That sounds awesome. It's super tasty. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, using juniper in a variety of infusions, be it like butter, yogurt, um, you know, you can mix it with salt, sugar. You can do like a syrup. You can do, you know, like we talked about earlier, there's alcohol infusions. So yeah, lots of Different options. And as I was researching this, I was looking in um, do you know Alan Burgo's book, Flora?
0: Yes, I re- that one rings a bell. Yeah.
1: I yeah. That, but... It's a great book. I highly recommend it. And he has a few Juniper berry recipes in there, but he actually prefers using the immature cones of white cedar. Mm. Um, he just thinks those taste better and are more consistent than juniper berries. But regardless, there's a traditional Italian dish called uh I think it's pronounced aglione and it's kind of like a pesto, but it's made with juniper berries and garlic and different fresh herbs and like blended together and then something you like serve with pasta or potatoes or whatever, kind of like pesto.
0: Awesome. Oh that sounds really good. Okay, that that kinda maybe leads to me one question I have is so I'm thinking of juniper as being like an evergreen something that is in the like um oh what's that word? uh coniferous is it but then there's these things that really do look like berries like i have some dried ones and normally you don't think of a berry on a on a coniferous plant and you said something about cones that look like berries before could you like clarify what that what that means
1: yeah so they are technically cones they're not technically berries um and they like the juniper berries you have they're probably quite hard you know and when you pick them from the tree, like, sometimes if you get them super fresh, like, right when they turn ripe, they'll be more juicy. But typically, they're kind of dry and hard and just generally more cone-like than berry-like. And common juniper specifically has this kind of little, like, triangle shape on it, and those are the scales of the of the cone, the modified cone. So... Yeah, it's like, and then also when you grind it up, like, especially if you use a mortar and pestle, you can see the interior of it and like see the little seeds in there. And it just, you know, it kind of clicks and makes more sense as a cone that way, I think.
0: Very, I'll I'll pay more attention because I like I have I have a little jar of juniper berries that I got, you know, a while ago because I was going to experiment with something. I don't know what, but I, I don't think I paid that close attention when I was using the mortar and pestle. So I'm going to have to try that.
1: yeah. And another interesting thing about the cones is that on common juniper, they take two to three years to ripen. So you'll, yeah. So like, you'll often see they turn like a dark blue when they ripen, but they often have like a bloom on them, like a natural, like whitish yeast on them. Um, So oftentimes you'll see like the immature green berries alongside the like fully ripe berries because they just take that long to ripen on the tree. Yeah.
0: That's super cool. That, I, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, that's a long time to to work on one little berry or cone.
1: Right? Yeah. <laughs> I thought so.
0: Very cool. All right, what what else you got on your notes, Sarah, fun facts and dazzling details about juniper, common juniper?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, lots of stuff. I am interested in the medicinal uses as well. And um, I know, like, juniper has a long history of being used for cleansing um like urinary tract infections like it's antibacterial and is used often for like cystitis which is like a bladder infection or urinary tract infections and i also am interested in it because there's like a lot of talk of juniper being toxic or like mildly toxic and i was i've been trying to clarify that and i still have not really exactly clarified it but um there's a article there's this website called Latifa's herbs and she has an article called toxic juniper in which she talks about savin juniper which is juniper sabina which is a european species and that that tree is toxic that shrub is toxic but that the reason people say common juniper is toxic is because of mix-ups with the mm. savin juniper. So she links some studies, you know, talking about like rats being fed, like force-fed huge amounts of juniper oil uh-huh. and being totally fine, like not having... Because a lot of people say that juniper will give you, uh, if you take it for too long or take too much, that... It's like toxic to the kidneys or can irritate your kidneys. So in this study though, there was no adverse effects whatsoever. And I was just looking at other studies that basically I never heard of this before, but apparently it's a common a common way to tell toxicity is to apply extracts of a plant to these little shrimp creatures like these little larval shrimps
0: oh like like sea monkeys or something
1: (laughs) yeah like something like that like (laughs) and then they like see how many of them die and how long it takes for them to die and then use that to assess like whether something is toxic or not so there's a study that i was looking at that assessed common juniper is non-toxic by the like that standard um, but then I was also, yeah, I don't know. It's confusing. There's so much contradictory information that it's hard to sort out. Um, cause I was looking at other things, other like scholarly studies online and, you know, some of them are referencing, like, for example, that the, um, I mean, basically saying the same thing that it's toxic to your kidneys. Um, and I'm trying to find the information here. So, yeah, there's one there's one online source I was looking at that was saying that the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia and then the German Health Ministry both say that juniper berries should be avoided in renal disease. And then there's an author who said that like with continued use or overdose kidney damage arises. And I was looking for that author's original because like it's cited you know and i was oh. trying to find that article but couldn't find it so i don't know um but that yeah. author recommends that juniper shouldn't be used for more than four weeks at a time without medical supervision
0: interesting you know i've re- this this thing ha this kind of stuff happens a lot i feel like there's so many things where like you get this back and forth information whether it's toxic or not and it's so fascinating i think one is because like the the internet doesn't just give you the answers like you, I think most people expect it to, right? Like you got to dig and then dig and dig and even then you can't get to the original source. It's an interesting problem. What I think I've seen is most of the time is it really is one of those things of like it just it just de- depends. Like there probably is a way you can consume juniper where it's bad for your kidneys, but there's probably other ways that you could consume it where it's totally fine. And, you know, probably everything in the right amount is not great for your kidneys, right? Uh, a lot of things we eat, so... Uh, yeah. Totally. Uh audience always take your caution, you know, don't take a medical advice from from this podcast. But it is I find it fascinating and I go down this rabbit hole all the time like what is this thing toxic or is it not or like what it's yeah, it's it's kind of maddening.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty frustrating, but like one thing that's pretty clear with um a lot of the jun- juniper species and common juniper included is that it's contraindicated during pregnancy. Mm. So there's a compound there called iso isocupressic acid which mm. has been associated with abortions in cattle mm. and even though there's no proof that i have been able to find of a similar effect in humans there's still a uh, warning about yeah. you know avoiding it during pregnancy definitely better yeah.
0: safe in that in that regard actually yeah for sure for sure yeah super interesting um I I have a you probably have some more facts here, but the question that just jumped to my mind, which I'm always interested in, and I don't know if you have anything about this. What do you know about that name Juniper? What does it mean? Where does that come from? It's kind of a cool name.
1: That's not one I know. <laughs> okay, yeah. That uh, well,
0: is it. uh, all right. I always say that it's it is a cool name though.
1: Uh, yeah, I, Juniper. I have no idea.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it could be like I don't know. I I, I like it. It it evokes like juno and jupiter but it may not be related to that at all it just sounds yeah that's just complete just like sounds alike to me
1: right right yeah like is there actually an etymology like etymological relationship there or is it just
0: right who knows well if i I maybe i'll look that up after the show or maybe the audience can just google it or put a link in the show notes or something but yeah that is interesting and so i guess it's it's an easy one to understand the, the well the scientific name Juniperus is juniper, and then communis just means common, right?
1: Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yep. <laughs> okay. Cool. All
0: right. What what else do you have in there? What other fun facts and dazzling details?
1: Um. Uh, well. Gosh, I don't know what else. Okay, so yeah, to go back to the medicinal effects. Um, I was looking at some more recent research that was looking at juniper berries in the treatment of autoimmune diseases. Um, Yeah, because one of the traditional treatments is like for arthritis and rheumatism and rheumatism is actually a uh, autoimmune disease. So this study was looking at the like bacterial triggers of autoimmune diseases because some diseases can be triggered by like viruses or bacteria or that kind of thing. And they found that there was some potential there with like common juniper having the ability to block certain bacterial triggers for rheumatoid arthritis and multiple sclerosis and a couple other things. Um, So I found that really interesting. Basically, they said, like, oh, we need to do more research and, like, do more extracts and that kind of thing. But I found that really cool. And, you know, in that same kind of vein, they did find that it's antibacterial and has effects against many different bacteria, including, like, E. coli and staph bacteria and listeria bacteria. So, um, yeah, I've definitely used it, like... Sometimes, you know, I'm out in the field and I don't have hand sanitizer on me or a way to wash my hands or something. And I'll be like, oh, here's some red cedar or some common juniper. And it's not the most comfortable thing because it's kind of pokey. But (laughs) you can kind of like kind of do a poultice, you know, like mash it up between your hands and use that to use that as like a natural antiseptic if you don't have access to other things.
0: Cool. Well, um, thank you for sharing about juniper with me. Do you mind if I share a plant with you?
1: Not at all. I would love to hear about your plant.
0: All right. So so my plant, when you told me you're choosing juniper, I was like, what plant should I choose? And one just popped in my head immediately. And I think it is because of gin. <laughs> um, and, it, and it's because my favorite version of gin and tonic is the uh, Hendrix gin, um, house gin and tonic, like when they make it. And that is, it is with, you know, Hendrix gin, Cucumber, which is not what I'm talking about, but cucumber, and then crushed black pepper is how you make a Hendrix classic gin and tonic. It's really great. And so my plant is black pepper. Um, Ooh. And a super cool plant... You know, pepper is, like, one of those things that I feel like we all just take for granted, right? Like, it's just like, oh, yeah, pepper. It's salt and pepper. It's on every diner table. It's just everywhere.
1: Right. But But back in the day, it was, like, precious.
0: Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah. I, I was... I mean... I think I knew some of this stuff, but I was so most of my fun facts actually. This are going to come from a book that's called Pepper: A History of the World's Most Influential Spice by uh, Marjorie Schaefer, and just oh, cool. a really just in-depth uh, study of the history. And yeah, it, it's fascinating. I mean, the, this this one plant kind of like changed the world many times. Uh, the the desire, our desire, humans' desire for this plant, really like upended, uh, you know. The, the whole planet multiple times it's really 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 fascinating yeah and it wow, was
1: yeah i'm excited th- to hear more
0: super super valuable as you said like um there where's a quote here there's a quote you know like you could you could at certain times in medieval times in europe you could pay for stuff with it it was almost like currency and there was a quote here that says uh, uh a man's wealth was judged by how much pepper he had in his household <laughs> so yeah, that nice. that was really f- super fascinating um, before In that get case, to... I'm rich <laughs> Yeah, me too Isn't that, that's so <laughs> fascinating, right? Like, this thing that was so valuable Literally is just everywhere now And is, it, yeah, so fascinating Okay, before we get into some of the history Let me get through some of the basics um, Its uh, scientific name is is Piper Or maybe Peeper I'm always bad with um, I'm going to say Piper Because it looks like the word Piper P-I-P-E-R Piper nigrum So that just means black pepper piper is the genus there's a bunch of different pipers um interestingly so there's another another pepper called long pepper which i think we're not so used to anymore Hmm. but back in the like heyday of like spice trade long pepper and black pepper were kind of traded together and the long pepper berry is is long um i I got some as a gift one time and it's pretty cool like i really liked it but yeah it's not as common anymore uh but you can still find it, but it's just not like black pepper, which is just everywhere. Um, another notable plant in the same genus is uh, the beetle leaf or, or beetle nut. You know, like that, it's a leaf that people chew in places in Asia. It's apparently quite addictive and like, I think it's kind of bad for you, but it's a pretty common like mm. leaf that people chew is also, it's it's Piper betel or beetle. Um, okay. So I, I was surprised by that because I, I not, well, that one the leaf is used, I guess it does well, I guess there's like a, a seed too that is used in that as well. But I didn't realize those were the same genus. Um uh, black pepper is originally from India. It's from the west coast of India, from an area that's called the Western Western Ghats or Ghats, I don't know how to pronounce this, G-H-A-T-S. It's this mountainous region that's along the west coast of India. Um and there's still areas there, I guess, where it's um you can find wild pepper, but it's been cultivated for so long in that region. And then, you know, after the, like, colonial, uh, the colonialism era, it just kind of spread throughout the the kind of tropics in Asia. And so now the number one producer of pepper is Vietnam. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then I think number two is Brazil. So that's always, that's always interesting how, like. How like trade flows and how places get associated with a plant that's like not from where it's from, and it's, I, I, I find this right. super fascinating. Me um, too. The way the plant grows, so the leaves are kind of like heart shaped. From the drawings I've seen in some of the pictures, they kind of look a little bit like plantain leaves. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like not not the banana plantain, but common plantain. But they're yeah. on a vine it's a vine it's a climbing vine that has to climb up a tree or something like that and then the peppercorns are on these really long spikes dangling spikes and they're like just tons of little these little uh peppercorns which are botanically droops which i thought was fascinating i didn't Uh, realize they're droops but yeah they they have uh one big seed in the middle of this little fruit
1: okay yeah so then the pepper corn that we eat is like the dried fruit essentially like it's, it still has that pulp and skin and stuff
0: exactly and in fact this is one thing i didn't know but black pepper green pepper and white pepper are all the same plant they're all piper oh. or nigrum but black pepper is the fruit and they they briefly it sounds like they blanch it briefly and then they dry it okay and it shrivels up the fruit around it and makes and it becomes black Green pepper is just the dried unripe fruit, and oh. then white pepper is when the when the uh, fruit is ripe, they dry it, and then I think all of the fruit part falls away, and so the white pepper is just the seed part.
1: Oh, yeah. okay.
0: So that's that. I had no idea. I always assumed those were different species. Now there are yeah, like it's really confusing because there are lots of things we call pepper that are not pepper. So like the pink peppercorns are actually from a Brazilian plant.
1: And there's some other mm-hmm. ones in
0: there. I, there was a list in the book, and I didn't write them all down. But there's a bunch of things that uh, that are called pepper that are not the species of pepper. But those three, white pepper, green pepper, and black pepper, are all the same plant. So that's pretty fascinating. Got it. And then that word pepper is spread around the globe. I mean, we call it chili peppers peppers. And that's because... I think it's because when, you know, Europeans ended up in North America, South America, looking... They were looking for pepper. And they mm. were... And I think, in, I think in this case, maybe someone was mistaking a long pepper for you know someone was like hey where do you find this plant here's some pepper and then local people said Oh, the taste the taste and whatever here's pepper and so i think that word pepper got translocated onto the north american plant um, you know a with, with with that search for pepper
1: um oh, in fact, interesting
0: that one of the main things that columbus was like motivated to find was pepper that's what that like that this misguided attempt to go the short way around the globe <laughs> was to find a a better way to access pepper because it was so valuable.
1: So is pepper is black pepper at all related to the American peppers? Like are no. okay?
0: They're not. They're not at all. It's really interesting, and they're the they're, they're not in the same genus whatsoever. Um, and even the chemical that makes them spicy is entirely different. In in okay. in, in chili pepper, it's capsaicin, and in, in black pepper, it's called piperine.
1: Piperine,
0: yeah, nice. Um, so, do you
1: know what family black pepper is? in? Oh
0: gosh, I should have looked that up. I'm gonna, audience, bear with me. I'm gonna just Google that super quick <laughs> because I should have looked that up. But yeah, uh, because
1: <laughs> I'm like, pepper. if it's not Solanaceae,
0: no, it's definitely not. Um, it yeah. is. Let's see, Wikipedia. It is. Uh, Piperaceae. I should have guessed.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Order, order, <laughs> order is Piperales. So it's very, very. It's it's Piper all the way down.
1: <laughs> it's like its own thing. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah.
0: So, so that's that. Um. All right. Any other of the things about the plant that I've seen? No. All right. Let's get into. I. I have just like a few, just selected quotes about the history of pepper, and I. This could go on forever, and I'm not going to do that. You can. Audience can pick up this book. Uh, Pepper <laughs> by Marjorie Schaefer. And maybe there's another episode in here somewhere because I feel like you could probably just like dig on this plant
1: f- forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um,
0: but its history is really linked to this super fascinating time of the spice trade where Europe was getting all these spices from Asia, but mm-hmm. via ver- lots of middlemen that were often protecting the trade, then the knowledge of where the plants came from and the knowledge of the plants from Europeans very smartly. So I talked about another episode a while back. Same was true for cinnamon. Cinnamon was in Europe for a very, very long time. And for a very, very long time, no one knew where it came from. <laughs> and pepper was similar. And and also hilariously, I, I thought this was just a cinnamon thing, but I guess that there's a similar story with pepper. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's similar ridiculous stories uh, invented by the Arab traders to fool the Europeans about keeping their things. So with the cinnamon, I talked about the episode of cinnamon, cinnamon that uh, – People in Europe believed that there was these giant cinnamon birds. that's nests were made out of cinnamon sticks, and you had to like fight the bird and throw rocks to knock down the cinnamon sticks from the bird's nest. Uh, that's so there's, cool. <laughs> there's a similar story <laughs> about the pepper that there is um that there is uh, giant snakes that protect the pepper plants, wow. and that the people who harvested the the pepper would set fire to the areas to drive away the snakes. And that's how the peppercorns got this burnt look because they were, and so like,
1: Oh, cool. This, I love it.
0: And this is how, was, like, I think people in Europe believe this for a very long time until they actually, uh, you know, someone actually found their way to India and, uh, <laughs> and started like, you know, the, you know, trying to cut out the middleman of these traders, but, um, sure. but it was a long time that pepper was being used in Europe and, and became a commodity, before people really in europe really knew where it came from Mm. that's so fascinating Mm -hmm. um at one point in the uh, pepper trade early on venice was like the hub of black pepper trade in europe and it was a complicated path that it went overseas and overland really tricky to get pepper to venice if you think about that of like the west coast of india it had to go through various different ports and stuff like that but venice was like that was like the the hub and it was such an important thing this quote from the books uh from this book says during venice's glory days in the 15th century pepper accounted for as much as 80 percent of value eighty uh, percent of the value of all spice shipments to the west wow <laughs> isn't that incredible
1: holy cow yeah
0: And so that, so this is, you know, it's more complicated than this, but let's keep it simple a little bit. And this is, this is mostly true, but the desire to basically unseat Venice's control of the market is one of the reasons that drove Portuguese exploration of Asia because they were looking for an all sea route to access pepper.
1: Oh, got it. And so, and
0: so, and, and that, you know, spurred other, European explorers, the English and the Dutch as well, right? Like, so it's not as simple as pepper is what caused colonialism. I'm not saying that, but it definitely was like one of the levers that that drove this thing. And it was, you know, because people like pepper, but also because it was so valuable. And there was also, there was a really great quote in the book I should have written down that was talking about everyone in Europe had this kind of weirdly misguided idea that where all these spices came from, it was just like, ridiculously plentiful. It was like magically the most that if you could get there, you were just like going to have infinite money. And of course that's not true of anything, but that's where there's a lot of like magical thinking driving this, um, this kind of trade. Um, so then, so then the, um, the book mentions that the English East India company, one of the first publicly traded companies, I think the first publicly traded company in the world, um, Pepper was one of their main things they were, they're trying to get. And and the, okay. the the English colonization of India, heavily driven by pepper. And the pepper later, lots of other things, but pepper was one of the big, the big ones. Um, um. Which is just so fascinating to think about. This thing we all take for granted. that just like <laughs> this little thing and a shaker on our table, just like caused so much stuff. Um, going back in time just a little bit, I have a quote that says... It is believed that when the Goths defeated Rome in 1410, they demanded a ransom of 3,000 pounds of pepper, along with other valuables.
1: 3,000 pounds?
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, my God. I wonder how much pepper that is. It's like, a lot of
0: pepper.
1: Is that like wagons full of pepper? I can't like, imagine. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, That's and quite then, the ransom.
0: Yeah, totally. And then the, the I guess, the final piece of history, like I'm just kind of glancing over pieces of history here. There's a ton more than this, but we'll wrap up the episode with this last little bit, because I, I did not know this. I'm an American. I live on the East Coast. And I didn't realize that, that pepper was also a major driver of wealth in the United States. And so in the 1800s, Salem, Massachusetts was like the epicenter of the pepper trade. And essentially, yeah, yeah, like that's, it was like Salem and and pepper were synonymous for like a hundred years. And how it happened is, you know, after, um, you know, colonialism and this like worldwide churn of people, pepper started being planted in other places besides Western India. And one of the places it ended up was the North coast of Sumatra. And Hmm. at some point, some American sailor ended up there, went there, and then brought back like 150,000 pounds of pepper to Salem. <laughs> and it sparked this like 100 year run of, of of American boats going to Sumatra and bringing back pepper. And there was some of the first American millionaires were because of pepper.
1: No kidding, Yeah. Okay.
0: And the one quote that it just shows a scale, it says in about a hundred years, there was 976 journeys to Sumatra from the, the East Coast of the United States.
1: Wow!
0: So like, That's and so and money. and at the peak, there was one number of the peak. It was like fifty six boats in one year, and like the amount, like millions and pounds, no, millions of pounds of pepper were brought back. At this Holy crap! Yeah, so Dang. it's just amazing. This this one, I mean, people really like pepper.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like pep like I, yeah. I, you know, I don't know that I would go across the world for some pepper, but I I love it. I put it on like all my food, basically.
0: Totally, so, yeah, me, yeah, me too. So I think the one thing that I I have thought of, and there's someone else has probably written something like this. Is I don't think this is an original idea, but a lot of the like classic spices and spices that are super super common are spices linked to this this traditional spice trade era of the world. Pepper, yeah. cinnamon, nutmeg, mm-hmm. the list goes on, and it's almost like we're still stuck with that and i feel like we've we've ignored a lot of other spices because people like fantasized about these magical spices from another place that were protected <laughs> by birds and and, and and snakes. when we have like in our own backyard juniper right like and you can use juniper and i've used it similar to pepper before right you can like but I feel like I don't know it's a little bit the grass is always greener kind of thing, and even in North America we have lots of interesting, and we have juniper here. We have lots of native mm-hmm. things that are spices that never got recognized as spices because spices are this thing that come from this foreign place that was so mystical that the I feel like the mystics have just embedded at least in like uh, you know European cultures minds, and we we ignore everything else. I don't know that that's my weird little theory about pepper.
1: Yeah, I mean like Northern Prickly Ash is a great spice, you know, it's related to Szechuan peppercorn. Uh, um, oh yeah,
0: yeah. Oh yeah. I have not yeah. I think I tried that once on a foraging walk, but yeah, that's I mean, that's a cool thing. I think we have a lot of spice bush where I am here. Super yeah, spice cool. bush.
1: It's so similar to Allspice.
0: Yeah, so amazing, but no one pays attention to it and it grows so abundantly. <laughs> and so I just I it's you know, I there's another thing that I know I have a little bit of knowledge about, which is the guitars chosen for are the the wood chosen for guitars. Oh. And there's like an obsession with certain kinds of wood. And it all goes back to how the guys who were like the original luthiers made their instruments. There's lots of wood you can make guitars from. But people believe that those are the better ones because that's how it's always been done. And that kind of thing has driven like deforestation and stuff like that. Whereas like there are other options. And I feel like the the spice trade is kind of similar. It's like, okay, these are the spices that are the spices we need. And we still have that list of spices from, like, I don't know, like Roman times. You know, it's really right. interesting. Yeah.
1: yeah, they're still so dominant. And it's interesting because, like, I feel like we've moved away from it a little bit. Where, like, if you look at old cookbooks from, like, the 1800s... um and, you know, people who are trying to be fancy are just putting loads of, like, cinnamon and nutmeg and cloves, like, in all of their food, like, and stuff we would never put it in today, you know? Where it's, like, today it's more of, like, a gingerbread thing or, like, um, you know, there's certain foods that are associated with it, but it's not just, like, oh, yeah, let's have this stew that's, like, full of, like, allspice and cinnamon, you know, um so anyway maybe we'll continue going in that direction yeah i think you know yeah
0: (laughs) i think we should all take take a look at the juniper in our backyard the other kinds of things that we have that like are really interesting too like i feel you know like i've been missing out for a while on some of these like local spices so yeah that's uh, maybe a takeaway
1: totally yeah try out the juniper
0: awesome be, be
1: careful of your kidneys (laughs)
0: <laughs> Very good. All right, well thanks for joining me on this episode Of Root Band
1: Awesome, yeah, thanks for having me
0: And this song is of course Push It by the iconic 90s hip hop group Salt And Peppa Okay, another etymological rabbit hole here. We talked about juniper, but we didn't really get down to the bottom of what the meaning of that word juniper is. So I did some research. This is what I found. The word juniper comes from the Latin word *juniperus*, which means juniper. So it's pretty cool that the word we have for juniper is, is uh, still linked to its uh, one of its original names in Latin. And then that word, uh, uniperus has changed in various languages. And, and I think in French at one point it was Genevre, or how, however you pronounce that uh, R-E-M. am I'm pretty I'm pretty bad at that in French. Uh, and in Dutch it was Genever. And Genever was also the name of a drink made of that. As we talked about, there's many drinks that are made of, of juniper with juniper berries. But Genever, that drink Genever, uh, was shortened by English speakers to gin. And that's where we get the word gin. So the word gin is directly linked to the word juniper, which is pretty cool. I also read that there's some confusion with the name of the Swiss city, Geneva, which some pronunciations of juniper in different languages sounds very similar to Geneva, but apparently Geneva, etymologically, is not linked to gin or juniper. Uh, It is like a different etymology that has to do with uh, the bend in the river there. As far as I can understand, I wasn't 100% clear, but it seems like a coincidence that they have the same sounds. And then lastly, we heard a little bit earlier a bit of the song Jennifer Juniper by Donovan. And that's a pretty interesting song because uh, Jennifer and Juniper have different roots. So the word, well, it's confusing apparently. So most people think that the name Jennifer comes from a Welsh name Guinevere, which means something like fair spirit. But those names have kind of morphed over time, and there's many names that were based on the word Juniper that morphed into something sounding more like Jennifer, and sometimes names that are based on Gwynifer morphed to sound more like Juniper. So I guess, at least according to Wikipedia, there are cases where uh, it's unclear which name has which root, the Juniper root or the Guinever root. So I thought that was pretty interesting, and I didn't know that the song Jennifer, Juniper by Donovan was commenting on an interesting etymological quirk of the English language. And with that, let's wrap up this episode of Rootbound. Thank you for listening. My guest on this episode of Rootbound was Maria Westerly. Maria is the founder of Four Season Foraging based in Minneapolis. You can learn more at fourseasonforaging.com or on Instagram at FourSeasonForaging. If you like Rootbound and you want to help support the show, visit slash support to find all the ways you can support the show, including just sending me a message. Rootbound is hosted by me, Steve Ellington. You know, I tried to pay my mortgage in black peppercorns, and that didn't go so well. Music by Christian Kriegeskota. Fake ads by David Lonnie. Rootbound is a podcast about plants. For when you're stuck inside but if you can go outside you could go out into the woods at night and gather up some juniper to make yourself a witch's brew or you know you could just sanitize your hands with it sunflowers a pretty darn big flower